April 28, 2023, we're in Masechet Beza and Daf Tet Before the lines get wide, count up three lines, just a few words before the end of the line. Says the Gemara, Amar bihama berbihanina. Hanoten matana lehavero en sarikh lehodi'o. Person who bequeaths or gives a present to his friend doesn't need to uh, inform them that it's coming from them. They can give it anonymously. Rashi. Lomar shelo yehe ze yoshev vetohe mehechan ba elav davarze. It's not necessary to tell them in order to prevent the questioning and the curiosity and maybe the angst as to where it came from. Uh, people will get a gift and they want to research and figure out where it came from. It's not necessary. You're allowed to give it to them without informing them. Uh, what's the proof for that? And of course, we're not talking about a halakha in the legalistic sense. We're talking about a halakha in the uh, ethics and uh, normative practice way. In other words, what's appropriate? What's a good uh, practice with regards to interpersonal relationships? Pasuk describes how Moshe descends from Har Sinai and doesn't know that his skin is radiating. Uh, the fact that God didn't inform him, and that certainly was, so to speak, a present from God, teaches us that although God gave him a present, he didn't need to tell Moshe about it. In turn, we learn about our own practices. Says the Gemara Metive, I have a question from a Beraita which seems to teach otherwise. Ladat ki ani Adonai mekadishchem. Well, this pasuk is in the context of Shabbat. I read to you the pasuk in its entirety in Parashat Kitisave Ata. Daber el bnei Yisrael lemor ach et shabbatotai tishmoru. Moshe being instructed by God, go tell the people. Observe, safeguard my Shabbat. Ki oti beni ubenechem. It's a sign. It's a covenant which is held between me and you. Ledorotechem for your generations in the future. Ladat, you should know, and they should know from this. Ki ani adonai mikadishchem. My role in this. I'm God who provides and from whom you derive sanctity. What was God saying to Moshe in that moment? Ladat, they should know, you should know that I'm the one who sanctifies you. In those extra words the rabbis imagine, God was speaking to Moshe and telling him, Moshe, He's informing Moshe, I have a very special present in my storehouse, in my treasure house. Its name is Shabbat. I'm interested in giving it as a present to Am Yisrael. Therefore, Moshe, listen to the next words. Go and inform them. Wait a second. That means to tell us that it's the information which is given at the onset before the present being given is very significant. Mikan, based on this, Amara Shimon ben Gamliel, it's based on this that we learn a law, says Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. Following God's role in speaking to Moshe and telling him, go tell the people that they're about to get Shabbat. Inform them as to what Shabbat is, where it's coming from, how I'm giving it to them. If a person is to give a present to a little child, even pat, a piece of bread, he's supposed to tell the child and inform him in a way so that the child should go back and tell his mother. The mother shouldn't have to wonder where it came from. Not for kashrut reasons, just for uh, bringing forth the friendship, not confusing one of the sides, making certain that everyone is understanding where it's coming from, where, who it's going to, and why this is happening. That's a contradiction, says the Gemara.
But the statement is not per se the laws. Just go tell them I'm giving them a present. The statement is not about the laws. Don't go inform them the laws. Go inform them I'm giving them a special present. Heke, nothing more, nothing. As a matter of fact, Maharsha, together with several of the Mefashim, question, what is the Matana of Shabbat? I'm not uh, in any way diminished from the status and unique stature of Shabbat, but what is it? If you were to quantify, if you were to give a sentence or two describing what makes Shabbat different, why is it a Matana Tobat? Maharsha suggests it's the sanctity, it's the peacefulness, it's the resting of Shabbat. He likens it to the opposite of the uh, of the kilala, the arur, arur uh, to Adam Harishon. Adam Harishon is banished from Gan Eden and told, You're going to now, by the sweat of your brow, have to uh, till the ground in order to bring forth bread, in order to bring forth food. Shabbat is the antidote to that. Shabbat is the antithesis of the human experience, which is cursed, as per God's words, and the banishment from Gan Eden. That's the Matanat Tova. So the Minuhav Shabbat, without any of the strength, attached, which of course are part of it, but ultimately speaking, that in and of itself is a matana toba. Just go and tell them about that. It contradicts this karan or pene moshe, where he's lo yada. Do you need to inform the person who's getting the present or not? In this circumstance, where the present's being given to Bnei Israel, and Abban Shimon ben Gamliel understands from that, in any situation, and Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel is the one who goes counter to you, Nathan, right? In any situation, you're just giving a piece of bread, make certain that they know. Rashi, in fact, fills in another detail, whereas initially Rashi explained to us the reason that it might be important to inform the one who's getting it is so that they're not confused. That's what Rashi said, but that was unnecessary according to our initial statement. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, when he says, make certain that the mother knows, Rashi in Dibura Matchil, Sarikh at the end of it, the two lines at the end of it, it says, through informing the recipient, the parents will know, Shehu Ohavam, that the person who's sending them the bread, it's through love. And in turn, there'll be peace, there'll be uh, brotherhood, there'll be uh, uh, good feelings and friendship amongst Am Yisrael, which means to say, uh, ultimately speaking, all the details aside, we have a contradiction. Is it necessary for one of two reasons, or both of those reasons, to inform the person who's receiving a gift that you're the one who's giving it to them, or is it permitted and okay to give it to them without? On the one hand, the Karan or Pene Moshe, where Moshe doesn't know that God, so to speak, gave him that present. On the other hand, Shabbat was different. Says the Gemara, La Kashya. There's no contradiction in a different direction uh, as to the distinction. What's the difference between these two cases? Says the Gemara, the difference is, la kashya means there's no contradiction, there's no difficulty. It seemed like we had a, a blatant contradiction, a difficulty. La kashya, that's an introductory statement. There is no uh, contradiction. Ha, the word ha in Aramaic means ze. This is bimatana de avida le igluye. Galui. It means it's revealed, and uh, means that we're dealing with, in one of the cases, a present which would be revealed. The fact that Moshe's face was radiating would be revealed to him. The people would, would distance themselves from him. The people would inform him, did you know that as you emerged from God, your face was radiating? He'd figure it out. It was unnecessary to inform him. Ha, the circumstance, alternatively, where the child is given the piece of bread, 
He's distant from his parents. He shows up in the house. It would not be revealed. The child doesn't know the name of the person giving it to them. The parent will ask and will never find out. The difference then, says the Gemara, is it's not absolutely necessary that you make certain under all circumstances that they find out because if they will find out without your words or your, your statement that it's coming from me, that's sufficient. If alternatively they have no way and it's not just going to be revealed, it'll stay hidden, you have to, you have to reveal it to them from the onset. Says the Gemara, Shabbat Nameh, Matana Avidal But wait a second, if you tell me it's unnecessary to inform, what about Shabbat? Ultimately speaking, we would observe Shabbat. Ultimately speaking, as a nation, we would accept Shabbat. We got it as part of the Aseret Adibirot. We experienced it at Marah beforehand. Shabbat was and would become a part of who we are, we'd understand its place as part of this oath, this covenant, this connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And as a result, it's Avidali Igluye. It would become revealed. Why was it necessary then for God uh, to speak through Moshe to tell the people you should know, I'm giving you a special present? In that circumstance, I thought it's unnecessary. Answers the Gemara, although Shabbat maybe would become revealed, the nature of Shabbat, not so much the details, but more the reward of Shabbat would never become per se revealed. Matan sichara, says the Gemara, la'avida igluye. What God was, through Moshe, in that moment saying was this great present which I'm giving to you. He was alluding to the fact that there's a lot of reward inherent in Shabbat. That would never be revealed. We maybe would experience Shabbat. We perhaps would realize this is a connection to God. The reward that's inherent in observing Shabbat, that would never become revealed. So for that, Moshe made certain by the word of God to tell the people, this is that matana tobah. By, by your logic, Jared, all the mitzvot in the Torah should never have any promise of reward. And yet the Torah in many places promises reward. The way Harambam writes this is that you're supposed to do You're supposed to, in your mind, say, I'm doing this because this is truthful. But it's not to deny the fact that there was or is an inspiration as well because of the Toba Lavo. I mean, Abraham Avinu, at the very beginning of Parashat Lech Lecha, Bereshit Perek Yod Bet, it's told Lech Lecha, Me'azcha Me'olad, Chamon Bet Avicha. It's not just, it doesn't end there. Ve'ezcha Legoi Gadol, Ravarecha, so on and so forth. What's with all of that? So the way it works is human beings, we oftentimes, first and foremost, have the challenge of seeing truth instead of seeing as well the covering, which is the reward. But as human beings, we sometimes become initially inspired by the Shelo Lishma, which then transforms to Lishma. The Gemara Masech Pesachim and Dafnun. Amarav Yehuda Amarav. Le'olam Ya'asok Adam Torah Mitzvot. Shelo Lishma. Shemitoch Shelo Lishma. Ba'lishma. There's no... There's no shame in initially endeavoring or even being tempted into something by means of the reward. We do it with our children all the time. We're doing the wrong thing. I'm saying twofold. That's where you're getting, and I'm saying the initial stages as well, oftentimes, if not always, for human beings, are driven by the reward. It's the way it works. So that's what I'm saying. So the fact that God is informing that through Moshe, there's no uh, deficiency. It's either 
uh, you know, luring them in, so to speak, in a positive way. Alternatively, it adds to the challenge. I love to say that's the Or HaChaim HaKadosh about Abraham. I always ask this, well, I used to, when I would do interviews to the high school at times, I used to say, I don't understand that they would have to do these Pesukim as the Torah Shbikhtav. What's that? That's, that, that's, the, that's what the Gemara is saying. That's right. That's why Moshe was saying it to them. It's the Matan Sachar of Shabbat. You want to know what the Matan Sachar of Shabbat? The Gemara has many promises with regards to that. But the Gemara... Okay. Okay. Not enough. No, 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 not enough. What we're talking about is the Sachar, which is metaphysical over here. Uh, the Gemara elsewhere has Mohalino al kolavonotav. I mean, there's all sorts of promises. The Gemara over here doesn't explicate it, but there is promises attached to it. By Abraham Avinu, he's promised all these things. What was the challenge then? He prophetically gets a message from God, go and you'll get all this. Oh, he doesn't have much to lose. Or HaChaim HaKadosh is medayek in the Pasuk, or B'Chaim Ben Atar. It says, Vayelech Avram ka'asher diber elav Elohim. Those words are unnecessarily mentioned. Abraham goes based on what God told him. It means that he went overcoming the challenge, realizing all this would come. That's not why he went. He did it because he knew this was the right thing to do. He wasn't doing it because he was going to get the paycheck. He was doing it because this was his mission. So yes, everything's attached to it. It might be inspiration. It might be part of the beginning stages, but ultimately speaking, the test of a person will be, can you bring yourself to Lishma? Says the Gemara onward, Amar mor, mikan amar aban Shimon ben Gamliel, hanoten pat letinok, sarich leodia leimor. We derived from the Pasuk with regards to Moshe being instructed by God, and in turn the rabbis understanding, go and inform the people, I have this great present, it's in Beit Ginazai, it's in my treasure house, tell them it's called Shabbat. And we learned from that, that if a person is to give bread to the child, and by extension any other case of a matana de la avida igluye, it won't be revealed, you have to inform. Says Gemara, may avidle. How do you inform the mother? It's a child. After all, the child won't be able to just say the name. How are you informing them? You're sending the child off. Shaif le mashha. Uma le kuhla. The Gemara says you either smooth um, oil in between their eyes or on top of their eyes. Uma le kuhla. Kuhla is like eyeshadow. Or you paint their eyes a little bit. They arrive home and the mother says, what is this? Why, why do you have oil on your face? And what's with the, uh, what's with the eyeshadow? I didn't put you uh, all adorned and all fancy when you left the house this morning. So, oh, there was a person who did that for me. He looked like this. It means that you somehow give a sign on the child which gives in the parents, in the mother's eyes, uh, a peek into, oh, this was given by someone or something was given to you. You might not even be holding the bread any longer and in turn, it becomes revealed who sent it. Says the Gemara, but you can't really do that any longer. Imagine, especially in the time of the Gemara, a child shows up at home with some oil smeared on and some eyeshadow. Forget about the ramifications today. Once upon a time, they had other sorts of fears. Says the Gemara, and now, we now are suspicious of witchcraft. Again, today, we could say we're now suspicious of someone touching our child. But then, as a witchcraft, so you're going to really, you have to be modia. you're doing the right thing, you want to enhance the friendship with this family, it's going to work against it. They're going to show, oh my goodness, they put that on you, they must have cursed you. The person's going to say to themselves, it's going to do anything but enhance friendship and love. My, what can we do instead? Amar of Papa, Shaif Lem, Otohamin. What you can do is you can smooth on to them whatever food you've given them. 
Also a scary thought. Imagine you gave them chocolate pudding, so they show up at home, and that's what's on them. But that's what the Gemara suggests. The Gemara says you show up, you send the child to show up somehow that the food which was given to him or her is somehow exposing the person who gave it, which in turn is the appropriate thing as you're giving a present, as you're trying to grow your relationship with another. Says the Gemara onward, Amar Biohanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. The entirety of the mitzvot of the Torah was given, were given to us in a public fashion. It was known or could be known, not only to the members and adherents of Am Yisrael, but to anyone in the world. There was nothing that was secretive, no clandestine moments where we got this message, don't tell anyone else. Chutz, mishabbat, except for Shabbat, Shabbat was different, shenatan lahem betzina'ah. It was given to us in a private fashion. The Pasuk designates Shabbat as being between me and you, says God, as an eternal sign. An eternal sign is something that we hold between the two of us. And as a result, this wasn't something that was per se revealed to the others. Uh, that being the case, asks the Gemara, la ala. If, the, if the fact is that Shabbat was not given in a public fashion, that, so to speak, the non-Jews, the nations of the world, couldn't have known about it, well, then why are they, according to our tradition, punished in one way or another for not accepting Shabbat? Oh, who said they're punished? Who said any of this sort of business? Rashi, on the right-hand side, that's true. Ultimately speaking, they're not allowed. Uh, but before that, they're punished for not accepting it, is the main point. Says Rashi, Rashi says, on the right-hand side, And we find, he's quoting from a Gemara at the very onset of Masechet Avodah Zarah, That HaKadosh Baruch went around the world looking to punish the nations for not accepting the Torah. Pesukim, as the Gimchachamim understand them, was that story we're told as little children that before giving the Torah to Am Yisrael, God happens upon all the other nations, ask them if they'll accept it. Each one of them deny it for one reason or another. This is the Gemara in brief at the beginning of Masechet's Abu Dazarah. As a result, God punishes them for anything and everything that they didn't accept. They don't get the same rewards as Am Yisrael. Questions the Gemara. I understand 612 mitzvot. If they were aware of them, if they could have been aware of it, I understand being punished. You didn't accept it when I proposed it to you? All right, I'll take it out on you. You should have known better. Shabbat was oti benu benichem. It's, it's, a, it's an otlidorotechem. It's a sign between me and you, says God. Why should they be punished? Says the Gemara, no, no. They indeed were, lehodia means to inform. They were informed about the existence of Shabbat. So all 613 mitzvot, the non-Jews, much as the Jews, the nations of the world, much as Am Yisrael, they had the ability and perhaps in some way were inspired to understand. Even Shabbat. So for that, they could be punished. So what didn't they know? You told me it was an ot, it was beni u Matan sechara la But the nature, the full nature of Shabbat, the fact that there's a reward, a metaphysical reward, something that transcends just regular existence, that there's something special and unique to Shabbat that he never told them. So that's the ot. What's that? Jews had an advantage with regards to the under, full understanding of Shabbat. That's right. That's right. So with regard, I'd like to imagine, 
and I think you will as well, that as a result, the punishment, so to speak, for Shabbat would not be as severe for them as it would be, so to speak, for me and you who do know about the reward for Shabbat. It was. We're not focused on Am Israel right now. We're focused on the nations of the world. The nations of the world who were informed and didn't accept, in turn, according to the rabbi's understanding, were punished for so doing. Why should they be punished? And so the Gemara says, well, they knew about even Shabbat. That's why they should be punished. But they didn't know about the reward of Shabbat. So Nathan's asking, well, we knew about it afterwards. Nathan's asking, well, if they didn't know about the rewards, then they shouldn't be punished. They just knew it was an entity. Okay, they should have been accepting even without the reward. In other words, the severity might not be the same as if they did know about the reward. I will just mention very briefly, it's a story that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I remember it happening like yesterday. I had, a, I had a course in graduate school in Jewish philosophy. It was in modern, uh, modern Jewish philosophy. So it wasn't in Harambam and Kuzari. It was in others. And uh, others in the last 200 years, not all uh, God-fearing uh, Jewish philosophers. When we talk about the medieval Jewish philosophers, they were all, at least the ones that we have today, they were all very God-fearing. In the last 200 years, they had perspectives, sometimes went off the, the beaten track. So I remember we were studying one, a particular one, and in his book, it's a well-known book, he, in his last, based on his whole discussion, he talks about a reciprocal relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as not being the highest level. You should just be connected to him in a way that precludes, that goes beyond any definition. You don't need to say, I am, I am adherent to him because, and he to me because. That's all a problem. It should just be. Just be a relationship. He says in the last chapter in the last section of the book says that's why religious Judaism is a problem because religious rabbinic Judaism has made everything all structured you do this because this and you need to do that and it's all a problem that's how he imagined this and so our professor who was a God-fearing Jew said how do we respond to this this is not a simple it's not a simple response his claim as a significant claim, we strive for relationships with others, certainly with Borei Olam, to relationships that go beyond any definition. How do we respond to his claim? Rabbinic Judaism, in turn, is problematic. So he said, here's how I would respond. It's not so philosophical. There's not so many proofs and uh, axioms, and uh, the logistics are going to be out of this. He says, what I would say is to this person and to anyone who would make this claim, I would say, just observe one Shabbat in its entirety, with all the laws from beginning until end, with the Kiddush and Havdalah at the beginning and end with the abstaining from Melachah in the middle, with going to Knis at the appropriate times. Just say, observe that, and then, once you've lived through that experience, will you still make this claim? Will you still accept? Will you still make the, the, the claim against Rabbinic Judaism? Well, all these laws are obscuring a relationship. Or will you be able to, between the lines, feel and experience something greater? When I read the words in the Gemara of the Matan Secharav Shabbat, I can't quantify it. I can't tell you, you will get this. But I can tell you, if you've experienced Shabbat in its entirety, you appreciate, you understand what Shabbat is, what that Matana Tova really exists as for us. Says the Gemara, however, for these Umot Ha'olam, so why are they punished if they weren't informed? So the Gemara says, no, they were informed. They just weren't informed about the reward, the Matan Sechara. Says Gemara, maybe they were informed, and even about the Matan Sechara, but there was another detail that they weren't informed about, that we found out about. Matan Sechara Name Odi'inhu. They were as well informed, they were made knowledgeable about the Umar Ta'ulam, even the reward for Shabbat. So then what didn't they find out about? We said something was between us and God. It was the extra soul which he never told them about. 
What's the extra soul? The neshama yetera of Shabbat. First and foremost, Shita Mekubet said famously, several other Rishonim on this Kimara point out, that it's for that reason that Amotza is Shabbat, we have the Berachah Bissamim in Havdalah, because whereas on Shabbat we accept based on this Gemara and one other that is a Neshama Yetera, we have an extra soul on Shabbat, it departs on Mosai Shabbat. And you've seen it, uh, either lived it or seen it, that sometimes when a person faints, you put next to them smelling salts, you put next to them something to smell in order to help their, so to speak, soul, their consciousness return. So in order to enliven, in order to uh, give a certain happiness, in order to help with the serenity at the time of the departure of that neshama yitera, so we smell besamim amotzei shabbat. That's the understanding. That's what underlies this minhag, this halachah besamim. What is? How does it manifest itself? Of course, to talk about the soul in a physical sense is very difficult. Rashi helps us a little bit in terms of what a neshama yitera enhances in the physical world on Shabbat. Rashi on the right hand side says neshama yitera rohav lev. It's a widened heart limnuha ulesimcha for giving us the ability, the propensity on Shabbat for resting and rejoicing. And we're open for this almost broad and wide existence. We're able to experience life in a fuller sense on Shabbat. And as a result, you can eat and drink. And your soul will not be disgusted by it. You won't feel like you're overly full. I don't know if this is your experience or not, but that's the statement in turn of Rashi. In some sense, neshama yetera means you have the ability to eat more and drink more on Shabbat. That's a shame Morris walked out, but Morris mentioned to me a few days ago, I don't even remember in what context, you know, there's a, uh, in some world, maybe even the Hasidic world, they say that if you eat and drink on Shabbat, you don't gain weight from doing so. It's a, oh, that was Yerila? I'm sorry. That's a mistake from here. And was, I think that began from here. Was, Rashi's statement is you can eat more and drink more on Shabbat. That's your neshama. He doesn't say and you're not going to gain weight. There is such a thing. People say that. But really what Rashi is not nervous about gaining weight. He's just saying you'll be able to do it. You won't feel dichet by it. You won't feel uh, all knocked out. All right. Anyway, says the Gemara. That's what we're talking about when we say that they weren't informed about something. They weren't informed about this neshama yetera. De amar bishimon ben lakish. Neshama yetera noten hakadosh baruch ba'adam erev Shabbat. Ul Shabbat. As after all, the statement is we get this extra soul, this enhanced spirit. When it comes to Shabbat, Motzei Shabbat, it's taken in turn from us. Shabbat Shabbat Nefesh. The pasuk says Shabbat Hakadosh Baruch Hu rested. Vaynafash. And we're making a derasha on that word. Vaynafash really uh, means to just um, something that's nafish is spread out. But over here we're making a derashan vayinafa or to breathe out. That's vayinafash. But over here the derashan this word is vay. Vay means like whoa. You know, Ashkenazim will say oi. Vay aveda nefesh. The pasuk says vayinafash. It's so to speak the soul and the person say oh woe is to me. There goes the soul. Once you shabbat, once you did the shivitav shabbat, once you rested on shabbat, you followed its laws. Mosai shabbat. Vai, woe is to me, nafash, the nefesh is departing. That's the derasha of the Gemara. That's right, we're reading it as a compound word. That, that is from the Kiddush, we have that Shabbat. That's right, we're being Doresh, those Pesukim, which we read in the Kiddush. The Kiddush really began as Pesukim in the Torah, at those Pesukim, that part of it, and in turn that's what we're referring to over here. But this started as being gifted, not telling the question, what happened to 
we resolved that. What happened was uh, to just uh, to take a step back, to take a glance back at what we addressed over here. We started the Gemara as a statement. If you give a present to a person, you don't need to inform them. We said that was from Moshe, who didn't know his face was radiating. We asked a question on that in the Gemara. Uh, what do you mean? HaKadosh Baruch Hu informed us about Shabbat. Uh, the Gemara, ultimately speaking, said there's a difference between something that's revealed or something that's concealed. In other words, are you going to find out who gave it or are you not going to find out who gave it? Shabbat, the Gemara said, but we were going to find out who gave it, so why did God need to inform us? So the Gemara said, no, it's a little bit different because over there on Shabbat, you might find out that God gave it, you won't find out the nature of it. You won't find out that there's sachar for Shabbat. We paused that conversation. We said, that's what God was informing us. Then we said, now that we're talking about that nature of Shabbat, let's talk about Shabbat with regards to non-Jews, what they find out about it. So the Gemara says, Shabbat was different. It was between us and God. He didn't inform the non-Jews about it. The Gemara says, if that's the case, so then how come we were done with the conversation about the presence? If that's the case, so then why are the non-Jews punished for not accepting it? And I said, no, because they did find out about it. They just didn't find out about one of two aspects. Either the Matan Sachar, the reward for Shabbat, or the Neshama Yetera. That's it. That's, so we, we finished that conversation. We went into the next one and closed that one out as well. Says the Gemara, let's go back to Iruv Tafshilin. After all, that was the theme that we started this Perek with. We got into good conversation about the nature of Shabbat, about the nature of Yom Tov, how to rejoice, how to enhance it. Uh, but what about Iruv uh, Tafshilin? The Gemara will right now, we won't get it fully fleshed out, it'll begin the conversation that I would say half the class has asked me in the last week, in one way or another, what needs to be the food that's prepared for Iruv Tafshilin? After all, the Mishnah talked about Tavshilin, levashel, means to cook something. Does that mean that all you need is one cooked item? After all, we had betileo, betshamai, in terms of cooked items. Or what about a baked item? Do we need bread? Do we need matzah? Where did any of that come from? Let's start the Gemara, which addresses this issue. Says the Gemara, quoting from the Mishnah, Ose adam tavshil of yom tov. A person can and should prepare a tavshil, a cooked item, on the eve of Yom Tov. Again, a conversation about does it need to be on the eve of Yom Tov or not. Jared, Amar Abaye, Losh Anu Ela Tavshil. Abaye's statement seems very clear. The rabbis taught, Shanu Mishnah means to teach. We only learned and taught that it is a Tavshil, a cooked item. Cooked, generally speaking, is defined as through the medium of a liquid. The difference between baking and cooking is cooking has a medium of a la- liquid, baking doesn't, baking is dry. That's what says the Gemara, Lo What works for your Eruv is something that was cooked. Aval pat, but if it's bread, lo, period. So forget about not needing it. The statement of Abaye appears to be that bread is not sufficient for Eruv Tavshilin. It needs to be a cooked item. It certainly emerges at first glance from Abaye that all that's necessary and specifically what's necessary is a cooked item. If it's a baked item, not only is it not necessary, it's not, u- it's not usable. It doesn't do anything. That's what Abaye's diuk is reading about Mishnah. The Gemara is getting into that in a moment. In other words, uh, Eli already is questioning, he says, what's the difference between meat or, or, or a cooked item and, and, uh, and a, uh, a baked item? He says, when you talk about bread, the reason bread might be out of this is because everybody has bread in their home. Bread is a standard item. It doesn't stick out. It's not apparent. It's not clear. This is set for a meal. This was cooked or baked for the meal. What's that? That's right. We also... Once upon a time, we're a little bit carb-free diets today. Once upon a time, had challah at every meal. Uh, we still, many people have bread at every meal. Yeah, but why, I don't understand, why would you think that bread would be a simple... No, bread is a very, it's, it's a very common... Yeah, it's not not bread is a standard food. I'm not that I'm cooking to continue to cook. Right. So I'm cooking bread. 
you bake bread. Maybe baking on Eid of Yom Tov would be sufficient for continuing that on Shabbat, for Shabbat. Why is it that Maishina, Mashone, what is different about bread in Abaye's understanding of our Mishnah, Delo or Dela, that it is not appropriate for your Eirub. Ilema, perhaps you'll say it's Mide de Melafet Ba'inan. Perhaps the only item which is used and can be used for Eruv Tavshilin is something that sticks out as unique. And what sticks out, stands out as unique, it's mide, mide means something. De melafet, that's a word that's used in the Talmud very often. It means it accompanies bread. We have a word even for those types of foods, they're called liftan. In today's day and age, the liftan is the hummus and the matbuha and the olive dip that's out on the table, that's liftan. Once upon a time, maybe some people until today, you dipped anything in your bread, your bread into. So you've mixed your bread with your fish and you mixed your bread with your meat and that's midet de melaftan. In other words, the idea being that bread being a staple is what I dip into other things and in order to designate that I'm not just bringing the staple item, but I'm making something for the meal that's above and beyond just eating bread, it needs to be midet de melaftan. Gemara is suggesting, again, I said, once upon a time it was meat and fish as well. Matbuha and hummus are not going to be included in this. I'm just saying that's the definition of what it is in today's day and age. Upat la melafeta. And the Gemara says, and perhaps the reason bread would not be good is because bread is not mixed with bread. And that's the suggestion of the Gemara at this point. So again, the Gemara statement here is Abaye reading the Mishnah says, the Mishnah told us that Eruv Tafshilin needs to be Tafshilin. Needs to be something that's mevushal, something that's cooked. Abaye you see what it's telling you? It's not something that's baked, not bread. So it's coming out one step backward. Why not bread? Forget about bread being appropriate. It can't even be used. So the initial suggestion is because it's not melafet, because it's not mixed with bread, and only an item which is mixed with bread, such as something that's cooked, would be appropriate. That's where the Gemara stands. We'll deal with this in the ensuing lines.